Hello, everyone. I'm back again for another deep dive into some curious emerging technologies. This week, I'm taking a little bit of a different approach, and I think you'll see what I mean in a minute, but I wanted to give you a heads up in case you were wondering where the traditional interview style structure had gone off to. I'd love to know what you like better, so let me know however you feel comfortable or however it's even possible in the comments or something. Uh, but anywho, let's get to it. I recently learned within the broader Dell Tech community that there's actually an arm of the company focused solely on researching emerging technologies. That group is called the ORO, or Office of the CTO Research Office, and their purpose is basically to keep a pulse on how technology is advancing and uh, continuously innovating to enable Dell, uh, Dell Technologies to lead and exploit the industry inflections. Right. So our mission is to basically serve as an early warning system. Uh, and we have a laser focus on nascent and emerging technologies. Uh, what we do is we uh, conduct a lot of research studies. We try and build uh, exemplary proof of concepts. And through those artifacts, we are uh, responsible to influence the corporate technical strategy, overall shaping up Dell Technologies uh, roadmap and strategy when it comes to these nascent and emerging technology. That is Malini Bhattacharji, Technical Product Manager here at Dell Technologies. My main areas of focus within Oro has been around uh, 5G, uh, composable infrastructure, as well as cloud. So in these strategic areas, I have been able to look at a lot of interesting like future use cases that technology can enable and basically be involved in figuring out what Dell's role might be as we move forward and how we can enable some of these technology to solve some very real world problems. So it's been an interesting journey so far. Now, one of Malini's colleagues, Dan Ching Sha, has partnered with Malini to assess the current state of augmented and virtual realities, otherwise known as AR and VR. Dan Ching is exploring AR and VR through the lens of advancements in other emerging technologies, much like those Malini has researched, including 5G, cloud, and edge. Currently, I'm the principal engineering technologist at Aura China. Uh, my research area mainly focused on advanced human-machine interaction technologies, uh, augmented reality, virtual reality. I have been working on different projects and studies, uh, cloud ARVR and uh, ARVR use case for 5G, natural user interface, digital twin, and so on. And I also worked on a project uh, which developed uh, augmented reality-based tool for indoor navigation and real-time data visualization inside a data center. Before we move forward, I think it's important to define the difference between AR and VR, because for as long as I've known about them, I have embarrassingly used them interchangeably. For VR, you wear a headset, you will uh, be in a fully immersive environment. You will not see the real world. But for AR, uh, you can still see the real world. So it's a mix of virtual and the real world. So just to clarify, and yes, I realize this is a very simplified explanation, you could think of the two like this. Virtual reality is kind of like one of those games where you're wearing a full-on headset and you're skiing down a mountain and you see this mountain in front of you, but you're really just in your living room swinging your arms around. While AR is more like... Say, if you were to be interested in maybe buying a piece of furniture, like a couch or something online. With AR, you can use your cell phone to quote-unquote place 
that piece of furniture in your space, you know, digitally, of course, to see if it will fit or even look good. And as I learned in my conversations this week, these two distinct technology types have massive potential, but they're also limited in what they can achieve at this point in time. Uh, so currently, uh, as you know, that there are quite a few technical challenges existing for AR VR from mass adoption, such as uh, latency. So AR and VR, they are very lat- latency sensitive. Uh, if the latency requirements are not met, it will cause users to have motion sickness. Remember that skiing example we talked about? Yeah, I don't think any of us want to get motion sick while pretending to ski down a mountain in our living room. So basically, latency is bad for AR and VR. Also, resolution, uh, pixel density on current uh, generation AR VR displays are very limited. The mobility and the field of view are also very limited, especially for VR. Uh, In addition, AR VR applications also require a large number of processing power and storage, especially for mobile AR and VR experiences. And the headset is always on while the user is using, uh, which will also cause uh, overheating and the battery life. Uh, finally, uh, the cost. The AR VR platforms have been very expensive and often dedicated to the task at hand. So all of these uh, restrictions are limiting usability in AR and the immersion in VR. Now with what we call cloud AR VR, uh, which is augmented by 5G technologies and the cloud edge computing. Now we can uh, do everything in cloud. We can execute and render the applications with cloud-based processing resources and stream the necessary view to sync client headsets. Quick clarification here, apologies for the interruption, but in case you didn't know what a thin client is, thin like thick and thin, um, I asked Don Ching to clarify, and basically she told me this. A thin client is the device with which you are actually using the technology or through which you are viewing the technology. So for VR, it would be something like a headset that you'd wear over your entire head. And for AR, that'd be something like your cell phone. Okay, back to Don Ching. Also, cloud-based rendering of content delivered to the same client headsets can support a more mobile implementation of AR and VR and a longer battery life. And uh, when offloading the GPU compute requirements to the cloud, the resolution of the viewport content could be optimized before streaming to the end user headsets over the 5G networks. So to reach its full uh, market potential, 5G is one key enabler, uh, enabling cloud AR VR to help solve device and the cost constraints pressuring AR and VR. Basically, cloud and 5G technologies can really expand the possible applications of augmented and virtual reality. Taking this into consideration, Malini, our friend from earlier, conducted extensive research into applying AR and VR technology across a number of different industries. Her ultimate goal? Finding applications where AR and VR could add true value and bring about greater equality across the globe. So when we look at, say, education, right, some of the things that we wanted to look at is How can we further, say, equality in education or how can we make education more attractive to students all across the world? Today, the way we deliver education, the way we deliver learning content is more, I would say, curriculum centric or it's more instructor led. And we do have kind of a one size fits all approach when we look at the content that that is being delivered to students of today. Right. 
with all this technology and the shift towards more of virtual experiences, can we move more towards, say, something like learner-centric education? Or can we add a layer of personalization so that for each student, right, they have a different view or a different experience uh, interacting with probably the same material uh, when it comes to education? So let's take this example of um, a professor who probably, uh, I mean, let's, let's take somebody whose native language is English, right? So the professor is speaking and writing something on his or her whiteboard uh, and their native language is English. But then we have these students who are probably uh, distributed across the globe and they have uh, different native languages. So how can we use technology to make that experience seamless? Is it possible for those students to consume that information that's coming out from the English speaking professor in their own native language? Right. So that is one aspect that we wanted to look at. And we figured that there were already available technology like real time translation is very much a reality today. We do have very good tools for speech to text translation, etc. Uh, it was just a matter of stitching together all of that and then provide a layer of modification, so to speak. What we did was we took the video that was coming out of this uh, professor's feed and then put a layer on top of that AR, if you want to call it that. And then the student basically consumes that in their own native language. Vice versa, if the student wants to say, ask a question or participate in the discussion, right? They can speak in their own native language. But then what we could do is build a service that does that translation, does the video modification and the professor in turn sees that in English, right? So we're essentially taking away the language barrier um, out of this whole scenario. And we are making sure that irrespective of where you are in the world or what language you speak, you will still have access to the best quality education that is available out there. But Malini and her team are not only thinking about AR and VR applications in the education space. They're also exploring... Access to healthcare. We were looking at... Um, use cases where like say you have uh, wearable devices on people. I mean, people are using wearable devices which sort of take live telemetry on like the vital statistics that are required for you to kind of monitor your health. And that is being transmitted to either the edge or the cloud where this data collection is constantly uh, happening. And then you have these AI assisted services which can use the data and it can kind of recommend a health plan or a healthcare plan um, in a very automated fashion. So using that, when a patient has a conversation with their primary care physician, right, we can use this AI-assisted service, and then we can also use AR-VR there, where you can simulate like an in-person doctor visit being in the comfort of your own home, but then you're also kind of uh, simulating some of that experience where you're touching and feeling and uh, basically, if the doctor is explaining something to you, right, explaining a diagnosis to you, so they can probably use like 3D models or 3D diagrams, which you can then interact with. And that makes it so much easier for the patient to kind of understand what's going on. What I'm about to say is not novel or new, but I did want to call out that it's not always easy for some people to just willingly accept this level of technology interconnectedness, if you will. So I asked Malini her thoughts. Well, I do get where the concern comes from, right? Because the moment you're talking about collecting data or uh, sharing, in essence, you're sharing your environment with somebody that you're not being able to see, right? Somebody's sitting away, miles away, and you don't even know who that person is. And they're kind of 
they they have access to all your data they have access to uh, your entire environment right so i do get that uh, feeling uh, i do get the concerns uh, against privacy data integrity etc and we do take that very seriously within uh, the oro team as well right so whenever we do talk about any technology and the possibilities uh, that a technology enables uh, one of the things that all like inevitably comes up is the ethics of it right so we want to be sure that well okay technology enables me to do all of these things but what are the ethical implications will it lead to uh, unconscious bias will it lead to uh, accidental invasion of privacy will it basically enhance inequity inadvertently right i mean how how can this data be used uh, in ways that was not originally intended and then end up doing more harm than good so those discussions are also always at the forefront when we look at any technology and any decision that we make or any recommendations that we make right we always make sure that we have that angle as well so yes i do get the concerns but then i also want to tell the people who have those concerns that we are thinking along those lines so anything that comes as a recommendation rest assured that those considerations have been taken into account and of all the use cases she's explored one hits a little closer to home uh, so i have a second grader um who is now doing distance learning and i actually see firsthand how technology is used and perceived by uh, children and how that basically changes the way they learn so i am really really interested and really excited to see where technology leads us there and like uh, when we are looking at things like field trips right how can we replicate some of those or if not purely replicate how can we augment the experience that students have at this point in time and how can we make it richer for them and more immersive right so that is what is super exciting for me when i think about this space and yeah i mean the possibilities are endless right you could probably send kids to a field trip in jurassic park or the solar system so the possibilities are endless with the technology but then how is that perceived uh by a child if somebody is more of a visual learner rather than somebody who is more of an auditory learner is it possible to kind of modify the content that's being delivered and use some of these technologies to kind of deliver that to the learner in a way that is most meaningful to them what can we do to make sure that we are delivering content to people in a way that's the best mode for them that makes it easiest for them to absorb what's being said uh, at the same time uh, making it seamless right so we're making it seamless for the instructor as well as for the learner but we are also bringing in personalization elements and we are also bringing in like enhancements to make sure that it's in the best possible form for uh, whoever is consuming it so what does that mean for you or for your kids besides the possibility of taking a real life magic school bus adventure with miss frizzle into the solar system Well, we may not have the answers right now, but what we do know is that AR and VR, in conjunction with 5G and edge technologies, will enable entirely new modes of learning. And I think that's something everyone can look forward to. That'll do it for this week. Thank you for bearing with me as I test out this new podcast format. I realize it's a lot of my voice, but we'll hopefully get to a place where it's a bit more balanced. Uh, So join me again in two weeks to learn about another bit of research going on here at Dell Technologies. This time, it's on the topic of explainable AI. So until then, I am Kelly Lynch, and as you know, this is The Next Horizon.